0: Galatians 3, 1-5 through 5. So, just as a little recap, the uh, last chapter... <laughs> There's a little recap there too. Um, <laughs> the last chapter was Paul talking about the, the confrontation that he had with the apostles in Jerusalem. And then it was when they actually had him and him and uh, Peter had a direct confrontation after that. And it was about the same thing that's been going on in, in Galatia, which is trying to add additional requirements to be a Christian. So, Paul has had it out with them. He's laid out this groundwork for the Galatians. And now, though he's been talking about Peter and the other apostles in chapter 3, he's about to turn his attention right back on the Galatians, who the letter was to, and he start he chapter three. He goes pretty hard at them, um, starting in uh, verse one. Here he goes into it and he says, "He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before? Whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified?" So he starts off in here, and on one hand, he he calls them foolish, but on the other hand. He also asks who has bewitched you. So, two different things that he's talking about there. You know, and to, and to be bewitched he, when he's talking about bewitching, he's talking about there's somebody around that is trying to subvert people's faith. And that really just goes back to the fact that that there are powers in this world that hate the light. There are powers in this world that hate you and me. I, uh, you guys are not going to have heard of this because I didn't hear about it until like I was prepping my sermon. Well, actually, I ran into it during the week. But there's a there's something called the Dunning Kruger effect. Yeah, I know it sounds weird. It's the name of the two people that that came up with this this psychological theory. Now, normally I don't really give psychologists a whole lot of credit. However, they seem to have hit this one pretty spot on. So Dunning Kruger is It's a cognitive bias. And what it means is that there are people in this world with a a low ability, and we all have this in certain areas of our life, with a low ability or a low expertise or maybe a low experience in something, but we think we know it all when it comes to that. Now, anybody who's worked for a lengthy amount of time has probably ran into a coworker like that where they thought they were just the best person ever at their job. And you're like, man, they don't even know what they're doing. Well, apparently that applies to the spiritual world as well, because when we go back to uh, John, the book of John, chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, it says, and it's talking of Christ in the beginning here, but it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. And if you go into the other, interpretations uh, throughout the year as English language has changed, um, you will see that it did not grasp it, it did not overcome it, could not comprehend it, could not overtake it, could not master it, cannot even perceive it. So that that is the position that this darkness in this world is in when it comes to Christ. That it cannot overcome it, yet... Since Adam and Eve, the darkness has done nothing but try to win, even though God has even laid out in his word that it's going to lose. So apparently the darkness has a little Dunning Kruger effect going on because it thinks that it's going to win. <clears throat> so what but what of us? You know, we we are not the light. We might have the light in us. But people in their natural place are just not the light. So, this is talking about there's an attempt to bewitch the Galatians, there's an attempt to bewitch us, because we are all, the Galatians were all made in the image of God. They have a soul, we have a soul. You know, we have value. Every one of us has value, and we all have a destiny as much as uh, that word gets used a lot in modern movies and things like that. But we all have a destiny, and God gives that away too. That you're either going to have eternal life, or you're going to be resurrected to damnation. Those are the two ways that God says it's going to end up. So whichever way it goes, this mortal plane is not the end. That we know. And the important part here, otherwise Paul wouldn't even be addressing it, is the fact that each and every one of us has agency. Now there are some people in, in different denominations that might debate that, but I, I don't want to go too deep in that today. But we have agency. And why is that important? Because, and Paul answers it here in these verses, recalls them foolish. He's calling the Galatians foolish at this point. Because you have to remember that this is a place these different churches in galatia are places where paul has went to he has set he has preached the gospel and he has set up churches there that have been there for years now so why what does that have to do into, into the whole foolishness thing because they were being unwise they were being ignorant <clears throat> so the galatians and actually, if you look into this, it's kind of a, more of a Bible nerd thing for me, but the word that they use for foolish here, it's a, it's a word that denotes that you can, think, you can think about something, but you're failing to use your powers of perception that have been given to you. So that's what he's talking about when he says this to the Galatians. He's saying that the Galatians were not using godly knowledge that was already given to them. They couldn't claim ignorance in this situation. <clears throat> so they had that knowledge and they had that understanding and they weren't using it. And when we ignore, when the Galatians ignore, when we ignore, when we disregard that discernment that God has given us, he put this puts us at risk of being bewitched or of being fools. So, you'll run into people during your time in, in any ministry that are perhaps too accommodating? And I, I know that that sounds maybe like that's not a, that, that could be a good thing to be too accommodating. But some people can be too accommodating to unbiblical uh, ideas. Because there's a lot of ideas out there on what the Bible means. Some people just make stuff up. Some people try to change things. And if you accept every single thing that you hear, even though you have been given the knowledge, you have been given that that base to work off of, in a way it's kind of a sign of of perhaps a spiritual immaturity. Because consider it in the real world. uh, Well, this is all the real world, but consider it with us. Take a baby. Like take my child, Eleanor. Um, Babies walk around and they put everything in their mouth. Uh, They will put things in their mouth that you will go, I am not only not putting that in my mouth, I am throwing it in the garbage because that is disgusting. We have that discernment in that area. So this is the same way that it applies to our Christian life. There are things that we should not ingest. Because those things are what's putting the Galatians and those things what would put us at risk of the darkness. Even though that darkness cannot overcome the light, and we're still messing around with it. <clears throat> so the problem is not God obviously when something like this happens. You know, God can't be overcome, but we can allow ourselves, like I said, to be bewitched. You know, we can choose not to follow in what Christ has given us. Christ doesn't put you in chains and drag you along with him. You know, you have that choice. He doesn't force us into anything. And the darkness loves to see when we falter. <clears throat> you know, it's this is what happened in the Garden of Eden. There was corruption that happened there, and we have been reaping the repercussions of it ever since. But when we choose Christ as our leader, as our king, obviously the darkness flees from God. We see that in Scripture all the time. And it would seem that even... Uh, even this harpist that we watched in the beginning of our worship, even he had a little bit of a encounter with that because you notice he came to Christ, but he still had these vices that he was going towards, that he was okay with. And then when he stopped, according to him, when he stopped quenching the Spirit, basically, Christ freed him from that darkness immediately. So that's a way that this... This kind of represents our our working through this life. So, uh, verses 2 and 3 here. Uh, 2 and 3 is, uh, This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, that you are now being perfected by the flesh? So Paul is... He's really pressing on the Galatians right here, and he's giving them basically a two-part question here. <clears throat> the uh, and the beauty of this of this section of scripture is all of this stuff is things that we can apply to ourselves, all things that we can retrospectively look in words of ourselves and see: Are we trying to claim these kind of things? So this first part where he says, "Are you are you getting proud of your good works? Are you living? Are you thinking that you're living the law now, and that?" That's why you were saved. You know, did you receive the Spirit by these good things that you do in your life? If you go and you ask a random Christian on the street, sometimes you will get that answer that if you ask them, you know, are you going to make it to heaven? And they'll be like, well, you know, I've got some things I still need to do. You'll hear people say that sometimes. That is not what Scripture teaches. So and that's what Paul is asking these people. He's saying, are your good works the reason that you received the Spirit in the first place? So did you earn these things by the works of the law? Did you live the law perfectly like Christ did? Now, if you say that you did, or if you say that you can, you might be having a little Dunning-Kruger effect yourself, because that is impossible. We can't do it, otherwise Christ wouldn't have come. So the the alternative is, did you hear the Gospel? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Did you hear that Gospel message and believe it and become a temple of God? It's not Christ plus all you can do. There are denominations that will teach that. That's not what saves you. It's Christ despite all that you can't do. And thank God, because there's a lot we can't do. So that's the love that He shows us. That's the salvation that He gives us. When we receive His Spirit, that's Him saving us, the wretched, the sick, the sinner, which is all of us, and that's when God embraces us as a child of God. And it starts, and it is solidified when you believe, not when you have done this or that or this or that. That's not how it works. That's the problem that the Galatians were having. So, the second question, though, that Paul has for them is actually something that he hasn't addressed yet in this epistle. So he, he asks them, he says, Galatians and for us as well, Christians, having been established, having been saved by faith in God, where you have been indwelled by the Holy Spirit, are you now being perfected by what it is you're doing? That's what he's asking them in which he hasn't asked them before. you know are did you get saved by the Spirit by belief? And now, are the works of the law sanctifying you, making you more Christ like? Is that how it works? You know, could, if we could earn it, we wouldn't, if we could earn it and perfect ourselves, we wouldn't have needed the Spirit to begin with. We wouldn't have needed Christ to begin with. So he's asking this, uh, you know, he's kind of a little tongue in cheek, I think, in the way that he's doing it. Um, Because when we speak of a, he's, he's speaking to believers. And he's talking to them about an issue of of, uh, who they're attributing these things to. You know, God is molding us. Clay can't mold itself. So he's saying that we're giving God the glory because God is the one that's doing this. Now apparently in Galatia at that time, aside from the whole thing of needing to become a Jew to then become a Christian, there were some thinking that works were also what was helping sanctify you. That was apparently an issue that was going on there. And it happens nowadays. But Paul is saying we give Christ the credit for these things because he is constantly shaping us as we go through our life. We'll go to we've got a couple verses left here and then we'll finish up for today. It's kind of a short one today. So verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? This is a very a very simple statement and meaning of what he gives us right here. There's not I don't think there's a whole lot of mysteries to what's going on here, but he's saying if you're leaving the gospel for a false gospel, was everything that you suffered for the true gospel was that all for nothing? Did you hear the gospel truth? Were you persecuted for it, and now you found something better, so you didn't even need to do all that stuff? Now, if you truly did find something better, if there really was a a different gospel that was the true gospel, then perhaps he wouldn't be saying this the way he's saying it. But you have to remember, there was a lot of persecution that went on in these days. If you go into the book of Acts, you can see it nonstop when Paul is going on his ministry. When he was in Galatia, he got stoned, was it twice or at least once I know that, and they left him for dead out in the front of the city and the and the apostles and different people were looking at him and all of a sudden he stood up and said, all right, it's time to go guys so they received if he was receiving that kind of that kind of persecution when he was establishing the churches, you can imagine that the churches that were left behind after he went on probably received that same kind of persecution. it probably was not a very fun environment to be on and so that is the Things that he's talking about, these things that you suffered. I mean, why did you suffer all these things if you're just going to move on to something false? <clears throat> and We're going to finish up with verse 5 here. And like I said, this is kind of a short day here. <clears throat> verse 5, where it says, So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Let me read that one more time, because if you, if you just gloss over it, you can get a little confused by it. So then, does He, speaking of God, who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? So, have you, and He's talking to the Galatians, and He's talking to us, Have you experienced... Well, first of all, has has everybody here experienced a miracle of the Lord? You know? You don't have to say anything out loud, but is everybody here, and you think introspectively on this, you think about this to yourself. Is everybody here a Christian? Think about that for a minute. Are you a Christian? That's the question. Okay? So you think about that for a minute. Give yourself your answer on that. Now... If you are a Christian, have you, have you experienced a miracle in your life? Now, the thing is here, <clears throat> if you, you answered the first part as a yes, but then you answered the second part as a no, you're not seeing the big picture here. Because if you are a Christian, you have experienced a miracle, I can guarantee you. There's no no for the second part. If you answered yes to the first, not all miracles are outward, okay? Some of them are. You know, we've seen people walking on water in the scriptures. We've, uh, we've seen God splitting bodies of water so that the Israelites could walk through. We've seen healings. Uh, but not everything is external like that, not every miracle is. The part that people often forget is that there is a miracle that you experience as soon as you become a Christian. Okay? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit in a fallen person, fallen through, through Adam, that a person who is antithetical to the Gospel, to God, that is a miracle in itself. That is a huge miracle. In fact, that is, I would argue, and it's a hill that I'll die on, that that is the greatest miracle that could ever happen to a person. I mean, think back to your former life. Think back to your former life when you were not a Christian, when you were not filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you were born again, the moment that that, that situation hit you? Did it happen because you were living the law of God perfectly? Is that why it happened? You'd have never made the cut. I would have never made the cut. Were you even seeking God when that happened? You might have been, but we'll get to that in a second. I know that I wasn't seeking Him. In fact, I was studying the Scriptures so that I could use them as a knife against other people. So why why would you even seek God when you were in that mindset? When you were not on the side of God? In John 12.32, Jesus says, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to Myself. So He was lifted up. We know that He was. And He calls to us all. And it would seem that He calls to us all at appointed times in our life or maybe we just weren't listening. But he calls to all of us. And that's a deep stirring that happens in a person when you first receive that call. It's a deep stirring and I pity people that that are so callous that they can't that they ignore it. I mean cuz I can't imagine doing that. <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is that before you came to God, before God started calling you, How could you even want it to be on the side of God? Um, I don't know, and everybody is in a different position. Everybody's conversion experience is vastly different. I, I will say that from my own, I was not very nice towards God. And many people have been in that before, or many people are just indifferent. And that's just as bad. I've talked to plenty of people, some people who I know very close, who will say, I just don't care. But you see people that are like that. All of a sudden, when they become a Christian, they are on fire. So that is that miracle, because we didn't do it. We didn't stir that fire in them. That's the miracle of God working. <clears throat> so somebody put a a good summation on on this thought, and I um, I just want to read it real quick. He says, he says, "Will you earn?" and deserve your blessing from God or your miracles from God, or will you believe and receive them? That's the difference. It's kind of a good way of, of summarizing that. Now obviously the latter is the humble way, the way that a Christian should be shooting for.